Hey everyone, I'm Robbie Cornthwaite. I'm Daniel Mullen. I'm Angelo Costanza. I'm Marco Fleuris. I'm Marcelo Garuska. I'm Ian Fife. This is Casio, and you're watching. 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 And you are watching Pure Bread Reds, Adelaide United Fan TV. Hi, I'm Daniel Mullen, former Adelaide United player and Asian Champions League winner with Western Sydney Wanderers. When it comes to any of my soccer needs, I do my shopping here at Soccer Locker. An Australian-owned and operated business, the store is located at Shop 5 of 181 to 183 Grange Road, Finden. Founded in 2017, Soccer Locker was introduced into the market to fulfil all the soccer-related needs of Australians, providing a huge range of quality clothing and equipment ranging from soccer balls, team kits, goalkeeper gear, accessories and much more. Recently arrived stock also includes stunning retro kits from some of our favourite past eras as fans of the world game. Soccer Locker is a specialist in Premier range boots, Adidas and Puma, goalkeeper gear and licensed merchandise. Visit us online at www.soccerlocker.com.au with free delivery Australia wide. So get shopping now at our Finan store, open from 10am to 5.30pm from Monday to Friday and open Saturdays from 9am to 3pm. G'day guys and welcome to the Pure Red Reds Adelaide United Fan TV. We're in to preview the game tonight against Melbourne City. I'm your host Ellis Gelios, delighted to have back for the first time this season. A regular contributor is a massive fan as we know and uh, quite handy behind the scenes too. I speak of Chris Adams. Chris, how are you going? Yeah, I'm really good. Um, it's been a little while since I've come on to Pure Red Reds, but it's fantastic to be back. So thanks for having me on today. Well, you know, I know we kind of launched your career as it, as it was, but uh, now you've gone on to bigger, <laughs> much bigger and better things. So we understand that uh, you're hard to get hold of nowadays. Um, are you keen for tonight? Yeah, yeah, very keen. Um, I think we've shown had a couple of good showings in the A-League in the last two or so games. Uh, certainly City aren't looking as great as perhaps they could be. So uh, I think it's just another good opportunity for us to get get a result. 7.15 tonight at Cooper Stadium, Adelaide United playing Melbourne City. It's a good thing, isn't it, that uh, throughout all these ridiculous COVID postponements, we seem to be the only club that's completely unaffected almost. Yeah, yeah, it is. Obviously, we've had a few players sort of test positive, but um, not enough to get a game postponed. I think that there's some rule of thumb where it's five starters from, I think, five plays from the the starting 11 before or something like that. And then a player, a club can can get a game postponed. But luckily, sort of, we've had cases, but had maybe two or three here and there. Uh, Nothing that's sort of ripped a hole in the squad, so to speak. So, yeah, we're, we're very lucky to keep playing games because it just feels like the league isn't really going on at the moment. It's kind of feels like a, we've gone back into a sort of off-season mode, which is very sort of weird for this time of the year. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say it straight out. For me, it is the weirdest time I've ever been alive. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree, especially given that sort of, I know you could look at it from a sport perspective, but just in general, um, Australia has sort of been shielded from a lot of what's been going on in the past two years. And now it's kind of hit us very hard. I think um, there's this sort of adjusting period that we're going through where we need to sort of understand that this is probably what things are going to be looking like until the pandemic ends, if it ever will. Um, but hopefully, you know, sport can continue, everything can continue, and we can just enjoy some A-League. A little bit more of that would be great. 
Totally. Here, here. And I've got to say, how delicious is that kit? My goodness. It's just so nice when it rears its head every here and there and you see someone wearing it. But if I saw the club put that kit out today, my goodness, the units that would get sold in a non-COVID world, of course, um, would just be crazy to think about. Um, it's just, it, it was really wasted, wasn't it, for a one-off? It really was just so badly wasted. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of protective over this kit. I, it's not one that I wear very often. I see you've got one up there behind yourself as well. Um, I think that, yeah, you're right. It is a bit of a discussion. It was a bit of a wasted opportunity in 2013, that 10-year anniversary season, to not just wear it for the whole year. Um, certainly, I had to really fight to try and find one of these kits because I'd never got one originally. And uh, it took me about five or six years to actually get one in the end. But yeah, it's one of, one of my all-time favourites. So um, there's no real particular reason I'm wearing it today other than just the fact that I love it. Yeah, I'm particularly thankful to uh, the ex-Red Army president, Jason Cavey, for uh, selling on his uh, kit that he bought from that um, range. So thank you, Jason. Um, Chris, we're getting caught up in all kinds of things, so let's get right into it. Um, now, it'd be remiss of me not to ask you straight off the bat about our new signings. So Lockie Brook coming in and also a new number nine from Japan who has already caused some debate. He hasn't kicked the ball yet. Um <laughs> I think a lot of people were probably expecting that it may have been Diego Castro that we went for instead, but uh, and I might be partially to blame for that. But um, that news was put out on uh, on the uh, well, some of the Western Australian publications that we were chasing Castro at the time. So I felt that um, it was perfectly warranted for me to go ahead and post that news. Um, and it could still happen; you never know. But um, it looks like we've gone in a different direction, at least for now signing a player from Japan. He comes from uh, Shimizu S-Pulse and uh, he hasn't really had the best time of it in the last year or two. Um, so him and Lockie Book coming back, I think Lockie Book's almost the more exciting one for me, Chris. Yeah, Lockie Brook obviously would be the more exciting one for United fans because I think we're all now aware of what he's capable of. Um, specifically the last sort of six games he played for us. He hasn't had actually played a handful. He's only played a handful of games, I think only seven or eight. But um, he looked the goods in the hub um, end of 2019-2020 season. Um, playing off the right wing, I think the indication that Carl Viet gave in his press conference yesterday was that we'll play him as a 10. I don't know how that's going to work tonight if he does play it because Mork is still in the squad. Um, it's now like sort of, Without official confirmation, it's like the league's worst kept secret that Mork is off. Once paperwork is finished, um, he'll be off to Japan. So whether Lockie Brook plays on the right wing, I think he'll come off the bench personally. I'm very excited, though, because I think he's had some good time to develop at the Brentford B team. Um, they're, they're such a fantastic team, Brentford, in the Premier League. Um, good academy. He's going to really have, you know, probably put some kilos on, put some muscle on hopefully improved his, you know, weak foot, all those sort of mini things that they teach you in those sort of academies. And hopefully now he can bring it back and, and really shine here. And as for the, the Japanese striker, I, I agree that there is sort of that area that we can have discussions about because it's another one of those signings where you look at it and you think, well, his record recently with goals isn't that great. Is it really a good signing? Um, but then you can also sort of look at it on the flip side and say, well, we've had so many players who have come, don't really have a fantastic uh, resume. 
but just come and perform in the A-League. So uh, my sort of, my my gut feeling for this is let's sit out and wait for a few days, a few games at least. See if, you know, tonight if he plays, how's his fitness? You know, is he looking like he's going to fit in with the team? Um, he seems to be another one of those offset type players, very tall, hopefully can bring players around him into the game. I know Viet loves a good tall striker. Uh, so I think let's not jump on his back too quickly. Let's wait and see how he plays. And uh, hopefully, um, good couple of signings for us. Well, just on Lockie Brook, I mean, that midfield right now already looks like it needs a bit of a uh, injection of energy and creativity. And, and this is with Mork in the team at the moment. So with Mork leaving, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't play him as a 10. I uh, just think it makes perfect sense why you've still got Goodwin and Bernardo to utilize out wide and Kiddo even if you need Kiddo because he's played himself back into some form too. Um, but uh, yeah, on the Japanese striker, um, I think fans have every entitlement to voice their displeasure at the fact that it's not any kind of exciting name. And I think you have to agree on paper, it's not an exciting name. But, you know, the argument that a lot of fans who are kind of protective of the direction the club's going in right now make is that uh, a lot of the players that have become cult heroes at Adelaide United came here without a impressive CV to begin with. So I guess, like you said there, we've just got to stay poised and see how this all plays out. But um, our our record is is a little bit worrying when it comes to signing foreign nines in uh, more recent years, Chris. So I think I'm pretty worried. I'm, I'm pretty uh, half glass empty at the moment. But uh, look, let's push on. Um, the game tonight, uh, we've spoken about the new signings. Um, let's talk about what we learned last time. Melbourne City coming here. We snatched a draw very late on. Um, it's a pretty different world uh, to what it was like back then when we got that tool draw against City a number of weeks ago now, um, particularly with uh, a few of their players being out through COVID over the last few weeks, which we'll talk about in a second. But just based on that game and, and the general footprint that City come to Cooper Stadium with um, when it comes to style and, and tactics, what did we learn out of that game last time? Well, I think we learned out of that game that City, they don't have a, a cutting sort of edge this season, I think. Um, if I'm going to look at City's weaknesses and stuff that we can sort of look to um, look to play into, um, that I don't think they have the cutting edge they do last season. They were up 2-0. That was two goals that we could have avoided rather than them being an outstanding football team and it being an unstoppable force type situation. Um, and then they were just turning off late and two late goals really could have won it. Jacob Trout had a header in like the 93rd minute that if it's either side of their goalkeeper, it's, it's a 3-2 win for us. Um, they got eliminated out of the FFA Cup against Wellington Phoenix last week. It was a very underwhelming display from them. And just the general sort of consensus is they haven't quite found the balance. And they, their attack seems to be a little bit off. Uh, certainly, a lot of City fans I know have been getting on Leckie's back, saying that Leckie isn't the type of player that fits in with their system. He's not the creative sort of force that Craig Noon was. I think Leckie is, you know, he needs no reintroductions, especially given his history at, at Adelaide United. Um, I don't think we should write Leckie off. But certainly there are some, some deficiencies in that city side, perhaps with their work ethic or just their sort of cutting edge, that certainly if we execute a game plan where it's not try and 
you know, keep the ball from them because I don't think that's what we can do. I think it's more like a maybe counterattack, maybe just look to punish them when they have those little lapses because I think that they, they, they could have more of them today and, uh, and we could really have a, a good opportunity to, to score a couple against them. Um, looking at COVID, it's affected the league in such a you know, widespread way and it's just becoming a normal thing now. I think I saw a comment the other day that someone said online, which was, can you just let us know when games are actually happening rather than all the ones that are being postponed, which I actually thought was a pretty fair comment, to be honest. Um, but uh, just on Melbourne City, they've been absolutely ravaged by COVID. And um, I guess what's even more interesting about that is the fact that as an extension to just the casualties that they've got where players are unable to play because they have to uh, quarantine, Patrick Isnormo came out and, and actually spoke about long COVID recently and talked about the fact that a lot of his players are struggling to get back to that level of fitness that they went into the season with after after uh, contracting the virus. So what do you make of all that? I think Kisnorba has every right to, to go and speak about that because it's a real thing. Um, and it's interesting you say that. I recently read an article um, that was released on Keep Up, the A-League's platform, about Ryan Grant, who was probably one of the first players, actually, one of the first documented players to test positive in this more recent outbreak. Um, and he had just spoken about the fact that he had recovered from COVID. Obviously, most or all players have to be fully vaxxed to play, especially in Victoria. And, um, you know, his lungs weren't, weren't as sort of powerful. He, he just felt a little bit off. And I think that COVID is kind of like, there's a discussion about whether it should be treated as just a regular injury. I don't quite think it's that far because if you treat COVID as a regular injury, a regular injury is not going to wipe out like 10 members of your squad at once and it's not going to close your training base. But I think it does have the potential to, from a long-term perspective, a player who tears his hamstring, misses six weeks and comes back and all of a sudden, you know, doesn't have the the cutting edge that he did before that. I think it's a very similar sort of a similar sort of scenario there. Um, long COVID is like a, a well documented thing. It, it affects your lungs. It and you know your lungs is your, your engine when you're playing, um, and uh, it affects different parts of your body. And um, it, it's no surprise really to see that Paddy Kisnorbo is speaking about players having long term issues or. or you know, long-standing issues, stuff that continues on from getting COVID because um, that's that's the, the nature of, of what everybody has to deal with now. So it, it's, it's upsetting to see because um, I think that seeing training bases closed and, and seeing players who are really top-level athletes and, and the best of health suffering like this, is, it's, it's, not, it's not very good. It, it, it's concerning. It concerns me as a fan. And as somebody who plays a game myself, um, it, it's really not good. I think Ryan Grant's just looking for an excuse there because he got absolutely torn apart by Valentino Yell. Um, but <laughs> with all due respect to Ryan Grant, he's a great player. Um, let's move on. Our home record against Melbourne City is not that bad, Chris. No, and it's very funny because I remember about two years ago, uh, in 2019, you and I doing a preview for a Melbourne City game and we... We said that our home record then was not very good against Melbourne City. But certainly in the last couple of years, that has changed. We've got a few wins. We've got a couple of draws. Um, and uh, certainly an FFA Cup final win at home as well, which was an absolute 
destroy, you know, demolition job of them. Uh, it, it, it's become a graveyard again for Melbourne City. And certainly after the most recent game, I'm, I'm mates with a few Melbourne City fans. Uh, they're, they're a good bunch of City fans. I like them. Um, they just said that Hindmarsh is back to being our graveyard again. And it's being our, our place where what seems impossible for us to do becomes possible. And that it's in a bad way. Um, you know, two nil up in the 85th minute or whatever, 80th minute or whatever, and it yeah, ended two two, um, losing four nil in an FA Cup final. But a lot of games that uh, City probably should have been the better side and got results hasn't been happening. I don't know if it's Hindmarsh. I don't know if it's a curse, if you like, that everybody loves to speak about curses and all the unwritten rules when it comes to football and stuff like that. But um, it hasn't become a good a good spot. And I think that, I don't know if it's something about City, we have this mini rivalry that's not really developed on on fans or anything. It's just developed on having good contests with them over the past sort of decade or so. Um, I don't know if that plays into it as well. Certainly, uh, we don't go to Amy Park and play well against City. So it's a similar kind of thing. But I, don't, I wouldn't read into it too much. Certainly players don't like to. Um, I speak to Bruce Jutte every now and then and I ask him sometimes about the, the sort of long-standing record when it comes to playing away or playing at home. And he says, no, it's just about mentality on the day and how you set up on the day. He, he certainly rejected that, that theory. Um, and I'd be inclined to sort of agree with him. But I don't know, just home form, away form, players and teams do have off days. You've articulated that quite nicely. Um, I just think on the rivalry, a lot of it would would be spiced up by the fact that we've obviously seen so many members of Adelaide United's personnel move on to Melbourne City. Um, and I don't just speak of players, of course. Um, there's plenty of departures that we've seen from the staff faculty too that have gone to Melbourne City, which I think that's kind of harnessed this rivalry a little bit, um, but let's just talk about how we're going to line up tonight. So if it's up to you, how should we line up tonight? Um, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% over who who we have available uh, because of just COVID and all that. You know, we could we could lose players today if, you know, rapid engine test comes back positive and somebody's out. Um, I think that we would line up very similar to how we have in the last sort of Last weekend's victory and uh, the game before against Wellington Phoenix. I'm not sure again who's available, who isn't. Um, I think there'd be no point in changing the lineup and including the new signings yet. I think they should come off the bench. Potentially, Lockie Brook could start on Wednesday. We have another game against the Wanderers. Just because he's from Adelaide, he knows Carl Veers, he's played under, he knows the squad pretty well. He'd be the one I think would start first. Depends on how George Blackwood goes at striker as well, because we know he's been struggling for a little bit of fitness. But I think it would be very much keep the same lineup. Bernardo in the right wing, Goodwin on the left wing, Blackwood through the middle. And especially it's it's potentially Morg's last game. So I don't think there's any point changing the midfield. Obviously, I have forgotten that SAS is out. He's suspended. And uh, I'm sure we'll probably discuss that. But keep one day in put one there as that six, um, more because the 10 maybe, and then you know, you've know you got a... I think Dorigo was included in the squad, but he could miss out due to concussion. Um, maybe put Cavallo there. You know, Kiddo's been performing on, at left back. He's had great link-up with Goodwin. Just 
try and maintain as much of the squad as possible, I think, because if we change too many things, then all of a sudden you're going to come up against an experienced squad who, yeah, isn't in the best form, but has the experience over a team that's a bit younger and is constantly changing. So just, I think, keep as much of it the same as possible. What's your intel that Mork's going before the Wanderers game? Because I last read that he'd be going at the end of January. Um, just based on what one of the press conferences released, I think yesterday or the day before, was uh, that they're waiting for paperwork to to come come through. And you know, if it came today, then you know he wouldn't play tonight. Or if it came through tomorrow, then he wouldn't play on Wednesday. So I think it's very much a sort of situation that they're just waiting for the deal to be finalised and all that. And then once that happens, then Walk is is released to go to his club in Japan. But for the time being, he he's still our player until the sort of finer details go through and uh, that paperwork's finished. Thanks for covering that. And just on Ben Halloran, who departed recently, real shame that we don't have him tonight, given his past successes against Melbourne City. He's, he loves a goal against Melbourne City. Yeah, he does. I think he's something like seven of his Adelaide United, 20, I think 20 goals or something he scored for the club, seven of it against Melbourne City. So that, that's quite a record. And that's not just seven goals. That's like a number of very important goals. Uh, FFA Cup final goal, uh, elimination final winner against Melbourne City. He scored two goals against them in a 3-1 win. So ultimately, he got the winner um, in 2019-20. Earlier this year, the equaliser in the 90-whatever minute. And uh, that was just an absolutely outstanding goal. He, he's a big loss, Ben Halloran. And uh, I think he actually flew under the radar a little bit as a, as a United player. Because it came, he came just after a period where we had the Spanish flair. We had, you know, players who would take on players that had all of those sort of technical skills and those tight, tight space, you know, beating players like that. But Ben Halloran has been an absolutely fantastic player for us. Um, always, you know, never missing games, barely ever injured, apart from I think his first season. He's always playing. He was part of the leadership team last season, um, and just. I can't think of anybody apart from Craig Goodwin who's scored more important goals in the last sort of few seasons than, than Ben Halloran. So um, I, I, hope we, I hope we see him back here. I think a move overseas is absolutely deserved, um, potentially if he keeps that former soccer who's call up again because he's just such a quality player and I, I'm, I'm a really big Ben Halloran fan. I, I wish him all the best. Yeah, no, here, here. Um, just in a quick kind of um, condensed fashion if you can Chris um, break down how you think we've gone this season and how you think Melbourne City have gone this season oh uh, look we've we've been a little bit underwhelming um, but I, I feel like that was also expected because we did have a few sort of departures change the squad up a little bit and it's uh, something that you know you do need time to sort of gel I'm just a little bit concerned now that losing Morgan Halloran will, will set us back a little bit not Obviously, that we're losing a lot of quality, but just based on the fact that we're going to have to start a little bit from scratch again in, in uh, the squad understanding, you know, things like where they need to be and the, the movements, the tactics and all that, because when you keep changing things, if you, you change a player, a new player comes in and then they have different movements and they have different sort of things. And 
Um, the players around all the, all that stuff is being done with a thought process rather than it just being automatic. And when things are done with a thought process, you get shorter reaction times. There's more of a capacity to make mistakes. And that's why I think that we started a little bit slow because it wasn't like it was just a continuation of last season. It was very much a sort of different type of, we had a lot of the same players, but you know, our defense line was completely changed. Craig was out, you know, Yangi was starting versus, you know, we had Urich starting for most of last season or probably 18 games or so. Um, and uh, I just think we were a little bit, we were a little bit slow to get going. And now that we finally sort of started to get a couple of results, where our first one against Wellington, um, draw against victory, I think we could have won that. Uh, now we're just going to be set back a little bit. But I, I think we, we, are a pl- we are a team that probably can't, can't keep our stars for too long because that's just the nature of the A-League nowadays. The players playing well, they're going to go elsewhere. But I, I, I think that we've had perhaps a little bit below past season, but we're, no, we're definitely not in any sort of bad situation yet. Um, we can definitely make finals and there is a lot of potential for things to go up here. Um, and as for Melbourne City, I'll probably just more briefly speak about them. They've had good results, some good wins, but yeah, as I sort of touched on, probably not as strong as last season. And I know that a few City, my, my City fan mates have been saying that because Norway's maybe taking things in a little bit of a different direction and maybe it hasn't quite worked for them. But again, that they're a team that they have more, more quality and they have so much quality that I think that if they just reverted to what they've been doing that's been working, then it, it, it'll work for them again. So um, they've had a better start, obviously, than we have, but probably not what City fans were demanding. Um, just before we get to your prediction, your favourite memories against Melbourne City, home or away, and excluding that FFA Cup win? Oh, um, the semi-final, I think. Uh, Bruce Jute scoring two crucial goals. That's one that's uh, going to be etched in our history and certainly in my mind. But one that um, perhaps hasn't spoken about as much, it was in Marco Kurtz's final year. It was on that, that road to us losing the penalty shootout against Perth Glory. And it was Ben Halloran, who obviously we've spoken about a lot today, scoring a 119th minute winner against Melbourne City. That's one of my all-time favourite goals, favourite moments as a fan of this club. Um, that one was just phenomenal, I think. You know, when you, you locked... Two good teams, nil all for 119 minutes. You're thinking this is going to penalties. You're almost preparing yourself mentally for a shootout. Uh, and then to, to get a goal that late, oh, my goodness, that was uh, one of my favourites, yeah. I'm going to rewind the clock back a bit for mine. All the way back to Melbourne City's first year as uh, Melbourne City and not Melbourne Heart, when we beat them in the game that David Beer played against us, I remember thinking and having everyone around me saying that we're going to get absolutely rinsed here. And we ended up doing the rinsing over there. I remember watching on my phone on a horrible Wi-Fi connection at a restaurant and just jumping for joy when Bruce Jute headed us, uh, headed that goal in. And then uh, Tarek Elrich was also great in that game as well from memory. And uh, I just remember thinking, wow, we've just, we've just done it over David Veer. Do you remember that one? I certainly do. Uh, there was a very, 
very good away bays support there, actually. I think Red Army and uh, the United away fans filled two or three bays. Uh, we played very well that game. I think Eugene made a fantastic save off David Beer. Um, but uh, it took a while. We, we, we ended up winning it in the 80th minute. It was a cello penalty. So, but uh, no, that was a very big result. And uh, <laughs> David Beer, well, can't say it quite worked out for him, but uh, it's one Spaniard against the Spaniards of the A-League. And uh, the Spaniards certainly got the job done there. It was a good game. We basically sent him packing, good memories. And that was really the first we saw of uh, this new machine, I guess, because that 13-14 season under Gombau hadn't really lived up to the heights many fans expected. And then we saw the, the machine really come into it in that season and obviously got us on our way to our first bit of silverware in some 10 years. Um, your prediction, Chris, who wins? Oh, I'm going to go for another draw tonight. I think, uh, I think we'll... we'll We'll cancel each other out, not in an attacking sense. I think there'll be goals, given that we've found our scoring touch recently and City are a team you can't stop scoring. Uh, I think maybe another 1-1 or a 2-2. But uh, certainly there is a capacity for City to maybe score more than us uh, just because of that quality factor. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go for a 2-2, I think, a 1-1 or a 2-2. Would you take a draw? A draws are not really what we need at the moment. We need wins uh, if we're going to be chasing for that final spot. But I'm just, I think being realistic here, uh, until we get our new imports settled into this squad, maybe get a few of our players back from COVID, uh, I think that, yeah, 2-2, two, 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 I'd, I'd take it in this circumstance. Can't disagree, Chris. Uh, it's always great interviewing you. You take care of yourself. Enjoy the football tonight and we'll catch up again very soon. Thank you very much, Chris Adams. Thank you, Ellis. I can't wait for the game. I'll hopefully enjoy it. We'll see how we go. Thanks for having me on. Great work. And thank you to our sponsors, Soccer Locker. Enjoy the game tonight, guys. Thank you so much for watching.